chapter 20, and uh, be looking at verses 1 to 14. Um, this is considered um, an epilogue. Um, Jesus has risen, of course, from the grave, and he has uh, met with the disciples uh, a couple of other times in the upper room type situation where they, he comes to them and, and talks to them and communicates with them, confirming his resurrection, and also commissioning them. And uh, we see this particular account here is a little bit different. We find that when the Lord rose, he told John, that uh, Peter, that uh, um, he would meet him in Galilee. And uh, so I guess this must be the meeting in Galilee, uh, because it's on the shores of uh, Galilee. It's called the Sea of Tiberias here in this particular account. Um, But it is also another meeting, and uh, here we find there are like seven of the disciples that are are present uh, at uh, the meeting. And so we're going to be looking at this portion here. Uh, Next week we will take the remainder of the chapter, and then the Lord willing will go on to 1st John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, for um, a continued study in um, the other... Uh, writings of John, of course, to the church. So here, um, let us begin with uh, chapter 21, beginning with verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and in this manner showed he himself. There were together Simon, Peter, and Thomas, called Didymus, and Nathaniel of Canaan of Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two others of the disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a boat immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any food? They answered him, No. He said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw in for the multitude of fish. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fish's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little boat, for they were not far from land. But as it was two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fish, as soon then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it, and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fish, an hundred and fifty and three. And although there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Let us pray. Loving Father, we do thank you for the reading of the scriptures. Thank you, Lord, for this account of the the Lord Jesus, meeting the disciples yet again, 
And we thank you, Father, for the great uh, miracle of God in revealing himself as well as uh, those things related to the disciples which were to impress upon them that this was not only Jesus, but he is the miracle-working Savior that they knew very well before he had died upon the cross and yet now was risen and was very much with them and that he was continuing that work of preparing them that they might go forth and be fishers of men. We do thank you and praise you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we look at this passage this afternoon, we want to look at these several areas, and really they're outlined pretty well already in the um, passage that we're going to be looking at. Uh, Jesus showed himself again to his disciples, this time on the shore of Galilee. Of course, it's called the Sea of Tiberias here, but uh, we know that it is the Sea of Galilee, or actually it was a huge lake. Um, it was uh, inland water and not on the o- ocean. So when we think of seas, we tom- commonly think of the ocean. But this was an inland lake, a very big one. And, of course, uh, uh, they called it a sea. Uh, but it is the Sea of Galilee where they uh, uh, were very much acquainted with and where the disciples did fish and where Peter, of course, was uh, a fisherman as well as... Uh, The sons of Zebedee and others, no doubt, were very familiar with uh, the idea of fishing on the Sea of Galilee. Secondly, Peter tells them, I go fishing. Uh, Of course, this is after the resurrection of Christ, after the other two um, times when the the Lord met with the disciples. But uh, in total, it is considered to be maybe about the seventh time that Jesus appeared to one or more or all of them. Uh, Taken in account uh, visitation at the tomb and to Peter and, and various other times that there were encounters after the resurrection. Uh, but this is the, called the third time as re- in relationship to uh, meeting with the, the, the group, if you would call them the disciples. Uh, so uh, Peter says, um, I go fishing. Well, why does he want to go fishing? Well, of course, that was his occupation, wasn't it? Uh, We all seem to have to go to work from time to time, and Peter says, uh, figured it was time for him to go back to fishing and and to get some fish uh, because it was necessary to make a living, too. So uh, that's what he was doing, and the other disciples said, well, wait up, Peter, I want to go with you. (laughs) <laughs> and, and so we do that too, don't we? <laughs> when, uh, when we want to go with uh, someone who's occupied in, in something we all like to do. Um, Jesus tells them to cast their net on the right side to catch fish. So here we find that um, they were not having very good luck fishing. You know, the, the um, fishermen love to tell the big fish story. But there was no story to tell because they didn't catch anything. And they were fishing at night. Uh, and so, um, in true form, to our blessed Savior, uh, he performs a miracle for them. And he says, cast your net on the right side of the boat. And so they did, and uh, lo and behold, we know that they caught a great catch of fish. 
which is a great fish story too. And so John tells them, it is the Lord. Well, the light bulb came on, and immediately they recognized, uh, John recognized that it was the Savior who was calling to them from the shore and giving them the instruction because uh, of the great result, naturally, that they did have. Um, so here, uh, John recognizes that it is the Lord first. And then Jesus bid them to come and dine with him. And uh, so uh, they, they come to shore, uh, bringing the fish, and they find that the Lord already has some fish on a fire, and he even has bread, uh, which should not surprise us that the Lord is able to, to bring uh, bread and, and fish to the uh, disciples when he desires to entertain them, you might say, or have them eat with him. And so he does, and uh, they enjoy that time together. But let's go back and just uh, recount some of these things and bring out a few other nuances in the text and enjoy some of the uh, circumstances here. So as this being the epilogue, there are considered to be somewhat of closing remarks, but at the same time kind of drawing some conclusions as to uh, the Lord and of his work with the disciples. And, uh, of course, we do find some interesting things in this final chapter here that John brings out, and that's what we want to, to look at. So in verse 1 and 2, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this manner showed he himself. And so we find that uh, um, this isn't in the upper room. This isn't uh, where he comes through the, the uh, locked door, as it were, and, and makes an appearance. No, he, he, it's a much different setting. It's on the Sea of Tiberias. Uh, the, the disciples are in a boat, out in the water, uh, some 100 yards from shore. And uh, they are occupied in the, the uh, work of fishing, and uh, they haven't caught any fish at all. And so uh, the Lord appears to them in this more, more uh, um, colloquial manner of, of their work and of their everyday experience. Well, if you think about how Jesus comes to us, he doesn't always come to us at church, does he? No, we mean we come to church to fellowship. We come to church to hear the word of God and to pray and to sing and to do those things. Um, but that isn't the only place that, that Jesus meets us. Uh, sometimes he comes to us right where we are in a more personal and, and special way, doesn't he? Um, as you have needs and as you look to the Lord for God's uh, working in your life and, your gui and his guidance in your life, you wait upon the Lord that he will minister to your needs right where you are. And so you may be at work and, and uh, you have a time where the Lord uh, speaks to you. Or you may be traveling and the Lord speaks to you. Uh, you may be going about various duties at home and the Lord speaks to you. Uh, you may be in uh, maybe shopping somewhere and the Lord speaks to you. 
all kinds of different situations and circumstances we might find ourselves and the Lord comes to us and, and speaks to us. Of course, it is by His Spirit that He speaks to us. For as believers, we know we are indwelt by the Spirit of God. And we know that uh, the Spirit of God is the one who works within us uh, to reveal Himself to us. Well, here we find that this is a, a different setting altogether Yet the Lord wants to impress upon the disciples something of great importance. And I'm sure it isn't just to show them how to fish. There's more important things to do than just to show somebody how to fish. He wants to speak to them concerning their uh, reality of knowing Him and of continuing the work which he has begun in them. Now remember, they were disciples, and he was a, a teacher to them. And so he, he had taught them many things already. And these final lessons that he would teach them would carry them forward into uh, the church of Jesus Christ, into a time when the, the Spirit would be poured out at the day of Pentecost into a time when the apostles would uh, carry out certain kinds of experiences in the name of the Lord, preaching and teaching and uh, being commissioned to go and to do the work of evangelism. And the, the Lord was preparing them all along the way. Well, Didymus uh, Thomas, he didn't want to miss this one out, did he? So we find him being named here. But there were only seven being named, uh, but uh, I'm not sure where the rest of them are, but, but maybe they weren't fishermen. Uh, there were a couple of tax collectors among them, right? Maybe uh, Matthew. Well, there was together Simon Peter and Thomas, called Didymus, and Nathaniel of Cana on Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. Well, John seems to bring out things in a little bit different way than perhaps Matthew, Mark, and Luke did. Um, and uh, perhaps he's filling in some other details that we should realize. Well, here there are seven disciples, if you would count them out, about seven. Well, seven is a good number. And it seems to be the number of completion. It seems to be a number of... Um, of those who are serious-minded about the Lord too, as we might think about those who are, are sticking together. You know, today we don't have that many people here. But I notice that the same ones come every single week, and you're sticking together. Uh, and, uh, and that's a good thing, isn't it? Uh, to, to be consistent in one's relationship with the Lord. Well, um, Peter wanted to go fishing, and the, and the rest of them that were with him says, Wait a minute, Peter, when you're not going to leave us behind. We are going to go with you. We're going to go with you. You know, that, that sticking together thing is important for believers. I was speaking, speaking to Pastor Bo earlier, and how he was talking about how fellowship is so important for us as believers. We need that, we need that togetherness. We need that fellowship. Because as we practice fellowship with one another, uh, we not only feel included within the body of Christ, but uh, we find there are just very valuable things that happen. 
Uh, we begin to encourage one another. Uh, we begin to have, in, have times of enjoyment with one another. And, uh, and we, we learn from one another. We pray for one another. Uh, we just have a, a whole lot of things that are going on as we come together and, and enjoy uh, being with each other. Well, these disciples, I'm sure at this time, it was important that they be close together um, and not be scattered too much because uh, they were to go and to bring forth a good work for God. Um, and um, we find that right after this period of time, uh, this 40 days, as it were, before the Lord ascended, we find that a little bit more than a month, we find that it was important for them to have some unity. And, uh, and they, they, so they were sticking together. A good nucleus of them were sticking together. And I, that's a good thing to do. Stick together as disciples. And so Peter tells them, I go fishing, and they want to go with him. And uh, uh, so verse 3, Simon Peter saith unto them, I go fishing. They say unto him, we also go with thee. Uh, they went forth and entered into a boat immediately, and that night they caught nothing. So they went out to, to, to catch some fish. Um, well, this is an occupation of probably an awful lot of the people at that time, right? Fishermen. I mean, there were some merchants and, and so forth, naturally. But uh, we need somebody to provide the food for the merchants to sell. And so here we find Peter. He's, he wants to earn some money, earns, earn a living. And the disciples uh, want to go right along with him. They don't want to be left out. And so what do they usually do? They, they, in this particular case, we find them fishing at night, which is probably not unheard of. There might be a number of reasons why they wanted to do this. Maybe the heat of the day was a little bit too unbearable out on the Sea of Galilee. Perhaps it is that the feeding routine of the fish was uh, different in the daytime than it was at nighttime. They might be closer to the shore at night, or they might be closer to the surface at night. And uh, so there's a number of reasons why they might have wanted to fish at night. And uh, even today, we know that people go fishing at night for certain kinds of fish because they know that's when that they will, they're more apt to get them. Uh, so we find this isn't completely unheard of. Um, and uh, the type of fishing that they did was a little bit different than what we might think of. Um, they might have had a couple of the disciples on the shore. Now remember, they're not too far from the shore. They're only about 100 yards from shore. And uh, probably this, this, the lake probably didn't uh, drop off significantly quickly. Um, if you're acquainted with some ponds and lakes around here, you know like Province Lake, well you can walk out there a significant um, probably a hundred yards without even getting over your head. Uh, so some lakes are like that. Maybe the Sea of Galilee was like that as well. And so they might have had a couple of, um, of, of disciples on shore um, and they would be holding the net secure, perhaps on shore, while they took their boat, their smaller boat, um, and uh, the net would be strung out kind of on the shore in a semicircle fashion anchored to the, sh to the shore, but strung out into the water, and uh, 
then they would uh, probably move the boat in a direction along the shore to scoop up whatever fish they could get. That was one of the explanations of how that it might have been done, which is, I would think, very plausible. Um, and, uh, you know, the other type of fishing would be a smaller net type that they would just simply cast out um, from the boat, which would be much more difficult to uh, perhaps uh, uh, get a larger quantity of fish. But however they might have done it, we find that um, they are fishing at night and the disciples are together and they enter into the boat and they aren't catching anything. They aren't catching anything. So Jesus, at this point, uh, he's on the shore. And remember, it is night, but it is also coming to morning. It's coming to morning. So let's continue with the reading at verse 4. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Well, why didn't they? Well, possibly because it was early morning and they couldn't see very well. That's, or it may have been a little foggy or something of this nature. Or a hundred yards away, it might be a little bit difficult to make out the features of someone to identify them as well, especially that early in the morning. Uh, so um, if any of you have been fishing early in the morning, um, you know that the shore seems to be a little fuzzy. Well, anyway, they weren't able immediately to discern that this was the Lord, and um, they didn't know that it was Jesus on the shore. But what does Jesus do? Uh, then saith the Jesus unto them, Children, have ye any food? They answered him, No. And the word children here actually means little children. It's kind of like a term of endearment. Um, and, um, and the idea of food is that uh, some commentators have kind of looked at it and said, well, maybe Jesus on the shore was acting like a stranger and saying to them, do you have anything to eat? I'm hungry. Uh, something like that. Uh, but we know, of course, in the mind and heart of the Lord, he knew exactly what he was doing. He wasn't hungry. He was rather uh, coaxing the disciples to appeal to him because he was going to tell them what to do to get the fish that they were looking for. You know, sometimes the Lord has to coax us just a little bit to get us to do the kinds of things that he wants us to do too. You ever been coaxed by the Lord a little bit? You know, where he kind of... Um, encourages you to go in a certain direction and do something. You don't know exactly what the Lord wants you to do, but, but you keep getting this nagging sense that the Lord wants you to do something. You may, be able, you may be praying about it a little bit. You may be calling to the Lord from the boat, so to speak. <laughs> you may be asking the Lord, uh, and, uh, and you haven't quite figured out, but he's kind of working with you in your, in your heart to... Uh, get you to come to the place where you are willing to see what he wishes to accomplish through your life. Well, in a sense, that's what was going on. Jesus is on the shore. He's coaxing them. I said, do you have any food? They don't have any food. Uh, and he's kind of like saying to them, have you got any fish yet? And, you know, the, 
If you've ever been fishing, you know, a, another fisherman is always asking to you, did you catch anything? <laughs> did you catch anything? And it's kind of embarrassing to say, no, I haven't caught a thing. <laughs> You'd like to say, I got a big one. <laughs> but uh, the disciples couldn't say they got a big one. They, they didn't catch anything. It was nothing. Uh, so Jesus was coaxing them uh, to respond to him. And so they say, no, we, do, we don't have any fish. We don't have any. They answered no, answered him no. And he said unto them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and ye shall find. Now remember, they didn't know it was Jesus yet. Well, every fisherman always has a little, a little um, uh, clue. Well, what works for me? Well, you know what I would try? I would try this special lure. I would try to, to do trolling, or I, I would try a different kind of bait if I were you. Uh, you know, they would, well, the only thing the disciples had was that net. And either they could fish on one side of the boat, or they could fish on the other side of the boat. There wasn't a lot of choices here, people. So, so Jesus told them, he says, try the other side. Try the right side. Uh, so he's on the shore. They still don't know it is the Lord yet. But uh, he, and lo and behold, they, they went along with it. They said, why not? We've been fishing all night on this side. Let's try the other side. And so we find that the disciples do uh, as uh, the Lord said. Cast the net on the right side of the boat and you shall find. They cast their net and now they were not able to draw in for the multitude of fishes. And so uh, they did. Um, the bait worked, if you will. And immediately, of course, um, the light bulb came on, as we might say, to the disciples. John, who seemed to be most keenly tuned in to the Lord, uh, he immediately responded, This must be the Lord. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, it is the Lord. It, it has to be the Lord. Now, it wasn't because he recognized him on the land. It wasn't because he, he recognized his voice. We already know that they, they didn't recognize him for, for those reasons. Though he spoke to them and though he was there uh, coaxing them. And, uh, but John says it must be the Lord. It is the Lord. And he was very confident. It was the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked. Now some people think, well, he must have been, didn't have any clothes on at all. Well, that really wasn't the case. It simply meant that he took off his top coat, which, which uh, would have been kind of cumbersome fishing, uh, trying to wrangle that net around the way that they needed to on the boat. He still had uh, part of his garments on. Um, so he... He put back on his vesture, if you will, and uh, remember, uh, they probably were fishing in rather shallow water off from shore, uh, because they, they, were, uh, they were near the shore, and they might have used the technique of a couple of the disciples being on shore, and the net being strung out over a greater circle, and the smaller boat out in the water, and they would drag it along. Uh, so if they were using that technique, it would mean that uh, 
they weren't out that far and the water wasn't that deep. And so Peter could just jump out of the boat and he could wade to shore. Uh, and that seems to be the idea of what was going on here. And when Simon Peter heard that, it was the Lord. He gird his fish's coat unto him and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little boat, for they were not far from land. So the little boat is kind of like uh, what we would call a dinghy, um, a dory type boat. You know, maybe it was 14 or, or 16 feet long. It was suitable to carry people in and fishing gear and so forth, but it wasn't a, wasn't a big ship or anything. Uh, it was a fishing boat, a fishing boat. And, uh, and so the disciples, uh, they, they came following, for they were not far from the land, but as it was 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish, it was considered to be about 100 yards, maybe 125 yards, something like that. As soon then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals and fish laid on it and bread. So here is the Lord. He's on the shore. Uh, Tom, uh, John has discovered it was Jesus. Peter has waded in now. They've begun to come to shore with this heavy um, net full of fish. Very heavy. Uh, and these were not little fish. These were called great fish. They were, they were, they were fish. Uh, you notice uh, here the word for fish. It is the word ichthus. You know, there it is. It's, that's the symbol. That's, remember, that's what, that was the symbol the Christians adopted. They adopted that little... You make this little circle, and I'll make this little circle. And, and uh, it's, it's the ichthus. Uh, because that's the Greek word, anyway, ichthus, uh, for fish, for fish. And, and they, they, were, they were great fish. They were great fish. Uh, Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land full of great fish. Now, so the boat would come to shore. It was close enough, so he, Peter could help them. And remember, P Peter is in charge here. And he was the one going fishing, and they followed. So he was the, the, the captain of the ship, so, so to speak. So he grabbed onto the net, and he begins to pull it into shore, um, full of great fish. And the word great does mean mega, being, meaning great. It's not, they're not little fish. But see, when the Lord does a miracle, he doesn't do a little miracle. Does he? He does a, He does. He didn't do a miracle so they could get minnows, <laughs> tadpoles, or anything. No, he did a miracle so they could get some fish, some big fish, some great fish. Well, well, the Sea of Galilee, of course, being a big sea, being a big lake, it would have great fish in it, big fish. And uh, you know, even some of the ponds and lakes around here, they have some great fish in them too. You don't catch them very often because they kind of stay down deep, perhaps. But uh, these were great fish. And 153. And so it wasn't a little number, it was a big number. You know, sometimes, you know, people like to make more than they should, perhaps, out of numbers. You know, numerology, they try to find some. What does this mean? And they look for something more than this, this plain sense. Well, if the plain sense makes good sense, there's no other sense needed. 
So it, it was not only great fish, but it was a great number of fish. And so after they counted them, after they counted them, it's 153. This is not a small catch. Now remember, fishermen go fishing to catch fish to do what? You're not going to eat 153 fish at one meal. You're going to sell them at the market. I mean, after all, that's what you do to support yourself, right? And so you, you take somebody that's, that's a fisherman. They want to catch a lot of fish, whether it's cod or salmon or whether it's uh, some other sea flounders or, or whatever it is. They want to catch a lot of them. Well, this was a lot of fish for this little small boat. Uh, it, it was a small boat. And uh, so they, they catch a lot of fish. And remember, this is the kind of miracle that Jesus does. This is what Jesus does. Jesus reveals himself by miracles, not just to perform a miracle, but to show himself for what he is, the Son of God. He's the Son of God. Um, if Jesus uh, only gave you $5 to pay your, your car payment that was $550, you might think, well, that wasn't much of a miracle, Lord. But if he gave you $1,500 to pay your $500 car payment, you would say, Lord, this is a great miracle. <laughs> right? <laughs> we look to the Lord to provide amply. God will supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. God, God wants to supply our needs. Now, it doesn't mean that he always supplies it the way that we ask. But remember... They weren't asking for 153 fish. They were just asking to catch some fish, and they took the advice of, of uh, this person on the shore. And then Jesus revealed himself. And that's kind of how the Lord does it. He doesn't reveal himself first. He reveals himself after he does something, more often than not. Of course, you know, as believers, we know that the Lord is there. And we, we pray, and we, we seek the Lord. But uh, it isn't confirmed upon us that God has done something until after he's done it. After he's done it, then we say, Oh, praise the Lord, he, he met my need. Uh, he brought what I needed. Uh, but beforehand, we just, we're just praying. We just pray. We say, Lord, you know I have this need. Will, will you meet it? But yet he hasn't revealed that to us. It isn't until he reveals that all of a sudden we begin to praise him and give thanks to him for what he has done. And so Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fish, 153, and although there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Well, this is significant as well, isn't it? Uh, you ever go fishing and you, you got a hold of a big fish and snapped the line up, got away, didn't get him. <laughs> You don't know if you happen to have got onto a turtle or maybe a, a, a log under the water or, or a piece of uh, something else. And you don't know what you got. No, but you see, there was no mistake in the miracle of this uh, circumstance that God brought forth for the disciples. No mistake to it. They not only caught fish, they caught 153 fish. They not only caught 153 fish, they weren't minnows, they were great fish. 
And it wasn't that they just caught the fish and the net broke in the process and they lost half of them. They didn't lose a one. God doesn't make any mistakes in the miracles that he does. In, in our, in our th- working of things, sometimes we make plenty of mistakes along the way. And that's usually how we can tell the difference between what God does and what we do. Is uh, God doesn't make any mistakes in the process. And so um, there was, uh, the net wasn't broken. And then, of course, so we find that Jesus bids them to come. Verse 12, Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. <clears throat> now the word dine here is the word which actually means breakfast. It doesn't mean supper or dinner, though we might think of it, dinner or dining and dinner. Um, would you like to go out to dine tonight? You know, you might say that, but no, this, is, this word for dine is actually breakfast. That's what it means. And if you look up the word, you can, you can find that. Uh, so Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples dared ask him, Who art thou? Knowing that it was the Lord. Uh, maybe he was out of a little bit of embarrassment. They said, uh, <laughs> we, we, we knew it was you all the time, Lord, right? <laughs> we sometimes we're like that, aren't we? We pray and pray and, and ask the Lord to do something. Then when he does, we act surprised. But we don't want to be act surprised, really. We because we don't want to feel too embarrassed about not knowing that it was the Lord that did it all, all the time. <laughs> well, the, whether the disciples were embarrassed or not, they, John announced to them that it was the Lord, and Peter said, if you say it is, John, I'm going to go find out for myself. And so he takes off, and uh, we find that Jesus then bids them to come and take bread uh, with him. And uh, so he says, Who art thou? Knowing that it was the Lord, Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. Well, you see, the Lord already had fish and bread. He didn't need their fish. Uh, It's the Lord. Can you give anything to the Lord that he needs? Not really. (laughs) Everything we do is because the Lord wants to do it through us, that it may bring glory to Him and to the Father, that we may accomplish the purposes for which we are sent. Now remember, that's what an apostle is. An apostle is sent. That's what the word apostle means. It means sent. And uh, in a small way, we also are sent. That is, in the sense that we are disciples, we may not be the twelve, for sure. There were only, there were only twelve of the twelve. And, of course, there was one, Melchus, I guess that was added to the group, but Judas failed the test. And, but anyway, um, you were sent as well. You were sent to, do, to serve the Lord and to honor Him. And um, so Jesus, no, He doesn't need anything. Um, he had his own bread and fish if he wanted to sit there and enjoy it all by himself. But he didn't. No, that wasn't what he was there for. He was there to draw the disciples again once more to him. That they might realize that he is truly the God of miracles. And the God of salvation. The one who was sent from the Father. The one who came to glorify the Lord. The one who came to finish the work that he had been entrusted to do. 
And so Jesus then cometh and taketh the bread and giveth them and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was risen from the dead. And so, of course, he wanted to reveal himself once again to his disciples. Maybe it was to confirm to their hearts, to the disciples, that even though he would be going to the Father soon, they would not be left without him. That he would be with them throughout their everyday life experiences and the work that he had called them to do. And of course, in the next part of it here, we find this appeal that he makes to Peter, um, us thou me, and so on, that he appeals to Peter. Well, the disciples were to play a significant role in the work that God had established through the coming of Christ. His, his birth, his death, his resurrection, and the work of the Holy Spirit in them and through them in the establishing of the church. Um, and remember that Jesus did tell them that he would make them to be fishers of men. Uh, they had returned to being fishers of fish, but ultimately they were to be fishers of men. You know, we return to our jobs and we do the things that we have to do to earn our living. But the Lord has given us a higher calling than that. That is just what we need to do for subsistence, to pay our bills and to carry on and to uh, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. But the things that are God's, that belong to God, we render unto him. And so when we do that, we think on a whole different level. How is my work going to serve the Lord? How is my time in the things that I do going to be beneficial to the Great Commission? How will I be light and salt in this world? Light to reveal the light of Christ, the truth of the gospel, salt that I might be savory toward those who need this, the grace of God. And salt is often viewed as grace in the Bible. And so it is that we have a great work ahead of us, just as the disciples would have a great head, a work ahead of them. Uh, a net of great fish not little fish. Jesus isn't about doing small things. He's about doing great things. And he wants us to serve him in the greatness of the calling that he has given us. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we do thank you for your word to us. Pray that these thoughts and applications to our own lives, Lord, in the scriptures will be an encouragement to us to serve you. And not to look back, but to look forward. Not to look to ourselves, but look unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. And that we might continue to serve as we go forward to preach the Great Commission. In Jesus' name, amen.